It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. You are locked on Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. You got to hit him with a little shimmy, a little shimmy, little shimmy, little shimmy. I'm James Erpine. He is Mike Santagata, a.k.a. Bengals Sands, and this is our weekly film review. We are the only Daily Bengals podcast, so hit that subscribe button on YouTube or follow wherever you get your podcasts. Jake Lisko, well, he's he's out today getting a little R&R, but we have a packed show for you, including this defense, the good, the bad, the I can't stop George Kittle. Is it their fault? We're going to ask Mike that, plus the offensive line, the trench play. But we got to start Sands with Joe Burrow. And on on Tuesday's show, I, I know I, I asked Jake Lisko straight up. I was like, look, is this the best Burrow's ever played in the NFL? And let's go back to the All-22. And I think a lot of people remember what happened in that fourth quarter. But overall, throughout the the entire game, how well did he play? What plays stuck out? What throws stuck out? Because when I see pro football focus and I see all these accolades he's receiving, it can't just be a couple big time throws late in the game. It seems like he played well throughout. And uh, I'm sure that there are multiple plays that stuck out to you. Yeah. So um, I declined to answer your uh, question that you gave Jake. I think it's, it's in the same tier as most of those really awesome games he's had. And yeah, maybe he was better for the entire game against Jacksonville, but it's Jacksonville. So you adjust for opponent and you can see why this is difficult. I think one day we'll get like a 400 yard five touchdown game and we'll just go, ah, that was the game that, that that's number one, but uh, Sunday against the Broncos question mark, <laughs> not, not, not question mark. Go ahead. If he could do that to Vic Fangio, then yes, that'll probably be the best game he's ever had. But uh, yeah, I thought he was awesome. Uh, plenty of plays stuck out. I think early he got a little battered, uh, Offensive line, the whole game didn't really hold up very well, but 
early on, they were a little conservative. And then when they went to throw, it felt like pressure or sack, pressure or sack. So nothing there for him. And really, we're looking at this a little bit differently, um, at least his first half performance. If that throw is, what, two inches less downfield to Jamar Chase, or maybe he's able to get that very small extra step. It's like, I can't call it an overthrow because it was so close and I can't call it a drop because it was a very difficult catch. So it's just ah, unfortunate miss, but you've got that one. Um, my favorite throw I think was the sluggo, the slant and go to Jamar chase to tie the game. I mean, it's hard to beat the fourth and five improv. When Burrow throws that fourth and five chase is running to his left. The cornerbacks, mm -hmm chasing him head down basically trying to catch up and he throws it behind him to his right <laughs> it's just that's just such good chemistry insane but the thing with the uh the sluggo is just it was to tie the game i'm not sure what the down and distance was but it was in the bucket that was a play that <clears throat> cornerbacks there on any type of underthrown ball, you've got a safety over top for anything that gets a little overthrown or a little bit too far inside. And he puts it just in the right spot and chase is able to score on it. That was my favorite throw of the game for him. And overall, he just, he played well, a uh, few mistakes. He had really just the drop, the dropped interception that ended up being a bank shot to Tyler Boyd for a big gain. That's the main play I think of as, Oh, if that gets turned into an interception, we're looking at his game a little differently, but mm -hmm. the, it's the way the ball bounces. And sometimes it bounces for you. Sometimes it doesn't. You could see Patrick Mahomes uh, thought a lot differently when he was getting those balls intercepted. And now that they're touchdowns, he's, Oh, he's the best quarterback in the league again. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I just checked. It was first and 10 when they ran the sluggo and you can watch the all 22 clip. Uh, on Twitter at Bengals underscore Sands. Um, You'll have to scroll, but yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's there. It's there. Well, I, I just searched the play to find the down and distance. And and nice. so that that's the thing that uh, obviously kills me. They're on the 32-yard line when they do that. They're on the 26-yard line when they run it two times. And then, uh, you know, and I've been critical of Zach Taylor with that part of it. But that this isn't that. And I, I want to dive into the offensive line in a, another minute or two, but – to me, like it, it, it's crazy. The and, and again, the, the pressure part of it. We we talk about Burrow's pocket presence all the time. It seems like every week with you. Is was this his best because of the off script th this year post ACL? Because of the off script to chase. Uh, I, I know there are a couple times he tried to do that spin and he got sacked anyways out on that third and three specifically in overtime. But how was he? Uh, maneuverability, how was it in the pocket? How was he looking throughout the game? Because there's certainly some highlights that came off of him going off script. There were highlights, but I would say overall it was up and down. Uh, definitely some highlights. And it's just those spins. And if they don't turn into sacks, I think of them differently. But I think there was a little bit of area for him to improve still there. His best game, pocket presence-wise, if you just want to watch one game and get excited, is the Baltimore Ravens game to me. He had so many plays. He had the juke move on, uh, I think it was Oway coming inside. He had a few spins. Um, I don't know. That that game for pocket presence and movement inside the pocket was, okay, this is what he can be if consistently in a few years. But where he is now, it's it's up and down. And so 
you're facing a Nick Bosa is really difficult to, he's making these guys miss, but there were so many opportunities for them <laughs> this past game. The Baltimore game, I didn't think there was as many opportunities. He just did a better job of not letting those turn into sacks. This game, it was whew, a worse quarterback pocket presence wise. And that's like an eight, nine sack game, but he's able to keep it down at five. So good, but not where I want it to be yet. Sure. And, and that's fair. And, uh, it's going to have to be better if the offensive line is going to struggle like it has. I'm going to ask Sands about the offensive line as I make a bad face on uh, on YouTube if you're watching. Uh, we'll do that next here on Locked on Bengals. But first, I got to tell you about Super Bowl 56 because the Super Bowl is less than three months away, less than 100 days away, and on location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL. It's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seats and choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star Los Angeles hotels, food from the great Wolfgang Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com SB56 for details or search Super Bowl on location. It's on location, exp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Look, everybody likes to be comfortable. It, it, it's comfy season right now, especially if you're in the Midwest and you're dealing with, you know, 35 degrees. And if you want to get comfy, you got to get some stance in your life. Stance has partnered with pop culture's hottest collaborators for the ultimate in style and self-expression clothing, whether it's socks t-shirts, so much more. You need to check them out. Whether you're looking for a little NBA action, obviously I'm an NBA fan, as you see my backdrop on YouTube. And if you're not, well, you can see Dwayne Wade in the background. You can see Kobe Bryant. And uh, maybe you're just a, an Office fan or a Harry Potter fan. Stance has something for everyone. And they believe that the perfect fit matters more than fitting in, that those who feel good do good. So go see for yourself. Register for an account at stance.com and get 15% off your first purchase. It's promo code locked on at checkout to apply. It's that simple. Save money right now. The holidays are here. You want to save money? Stance.com is the perfect gift. And they have the perfect gift for you. If you want to gift yourself for your loved ones, just make sure you use promo code locked on at checkout to get 15% off. Enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with Stance. All right, Sans, let's uh, let's dive into it because it's uh, man, oh man, this offensive line certainly has been a question mark all off season, been a question mark for for years and years and years. And when I, I see the metrics, and Jake and I have talked about it a little bit, where Joe Burrow's essentially pressure on half of his dropbacks against the 49ers, and he plays like that, I mean, insane. But I don't want him pressured on half of his dropbacks. And if there's a, an excuse for why Zach Taylor was so heavy. You know, leaning on the run, their first drive of the third quarter, leaning on the run in overtime when he probably shouldn't have. It's that. It's that he needed to protect Burrow from the pressure that he was under. Let's start with the good. Did any of the five starting offensive linemen play well? Well, I don't know. Oh Adequate? That's a no. That's a no. <laughs> Adequate? Okay. Things like that. Words like that? Yes. Um I would say going from top to bottom, you had – I'll just put them all in the same bucket. It's just Riley Reef and Jonah Williams probably in the same bucket as 
fine. They got beat once in a while, but for the most part, they weren't an issue. And then you, Trey Hopkins is right below them, and I only say right below because he just didn't have his tough of assignment. When a team lines up with uh, four guys on the on the defensive line, usually that means Trey is going to have an easier day, especially in pass protection, because when you have five, three, four versus four, three, basically, when you have five guys on there, they usually have a head up nose tackle that Trey has to block like 30, 40 snaps in a game. This time he's mostly just giving help, but he was good at what he did. Um, although I would say they missed some pressure pickups and I'm not sure if they could have done much different, but there's one I'm thinking of where Trey and Quinton both point at the linebacker who's off the line of scrimmage and they slide towards him and the linebacker that's standing on the line of scrimmage (laughs) is the one that comes. And I was just thinking, Hey, uh, at least if that other guy comes, you've got about three seconds till he gets there. If this guy comes, he's going to be there within a second and a half. And he was there within like a second and a half. So I don't know. Maybe they saw something on film. Like every time they do that, they bring the other guy, but I don't know. It, it, and any more defenses, they see you point and they know what that means. They know you're declaring this guy, the mic we will pick him up. The other guy's hot. So there are defenses that are adjusting to that. So all that said, uh, Quentin Spain might've had this worst game uh this season it was it was a rough one eric armstead's a good player and he also gave it to adenogy who had probably his worst game of his career i think so you get those two and then isaiah prince is well he went against nick bosa so some credits due for a backup offensive tackle doing that but yes he also was poor i would say yeah and and i think that's fair and that's something to monitor uh throughout the week riley reef status because Look, I get it. There's no Nick Bosa on the Broncos, right? There's no one on that level. But if you have to roll with Isaiah Prince, that's certainly something that that you don't want to see. Let's stick with Adenogy because I think a lot of our listeners are questioning what's happening at right guard now. Jackson Carmen, I I know there's a couple people throwing out different stats and things like that. Maybe he should come back. Deontay Smith practiced last week. Maybe he could get activated. Has Akeem Adenogy, how has his body of work been? Is this just one bad game? Do you think overall he's been better than what we saw from Jackson Carmen, who was obviously up and down earlier in the year? Or is it time that, yeah, we know what Akeem Adeniji is, at least right now, and they need to continue that right guard shuffle that we've seen all season? <laughs> this is the issue I have thinking about this, is Adeniji's probably been better over the season than Jackson Carmen was. I don't think either one has been a disaster, and neither one played consistently at the level Adeniji showed uh, on Sunday. But it's once you think of the draft capital, one's a second round pick. He's supposed to be the potential, the future, everything like that. And the other one's Akeem Adenogy, a sixth round pick. Um, if, with a sixth round pick, you're happy if he turns into the sixth offensive lineman <laughs> and he's just able to move tackle to guard wherever you want him. So I think of that. Deontay Smith is what I'm mostly considering is just, I thought he looked really good in the preseason. And then he's just, he had this really good game and then dehydrated and then he's pretty good in the last preseason game. And then by the time he gets a shot in the NFL, like as a starter, uh, he tears his meniscus, right? I think that's what happened. He had a knee injury. Yeah. And, and so I, I can't remember if it was the meniscus or not, but yeah, the, the, the thing that would intrigue me about him is, you know, 35 and a half inch arms, you know, you know, you have that, you know, almost tackle body and he works his tail off. I don't know. I'm kind of done with Carmen at this point, personally. 
And I know people want to write uh, Akeem Adeniji off, but like, like not long term, but like this year, like, are you really going to bank on him to to be the right guard? Like, I I don't know about that. I feel you like know? if it, yeah, if you bring him back, he's probably not going to be suddenly much better than he used to be. I think for this year, he is what he is. He's going to have sloppy hand placement. He's going to give up pressure. He's going to have some wild plays once in a while. And I think of that play against Brandon Williams where he has one hand on him and his other hand's just over here, and he drove him ten yards down the field and pancaked him. So you can see the potential. It's just this could be a playoff team. So you don't think of the potential when you're putting all these things forward. If this team was five and seven or something, you think, okay, well, let's put Carmen in there. Game reps, he'll improve, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Then you also think Burrow's health comes a lot into this too, because this isn't a guy that's just, well, if they're the same level, if they're near the same level, well, you want the best one. You want the guy that's going to get Burrow hit the least. So I think of all that, Smith is the one guy I would think of. Uh, but if it came down to Carmen or Adenogy for next week against the Broncos, I'd still roll with Adenogy. And if he has another performance like he did last this past Sunday, then I'd start looking at, okay, maybe we want to bring Carmen back because whatever reason. Adenogy just isn't fitting at right guard right now. And he was good for a couple games, but I don't know. Maybe the more tape he gets at right guard, they see he likes to do something or something like that. Because the problem that I think Isaiah Prince had is that he really likes to punch with his outside hand. And when you do that, it's it's very risky, high high risk, high, high reward. And when you face Nick Bosa, most of the time that turns into just bad <laughs> because you throw that out there. And that's your last line of defense on the outside. So when you have a guy like Nick Bosa who can surgically place his hands, he had yeah. one play, and I think he either gets a quarterback hit or a sack, Prince throws out that arm and he just grabs him by the wrist and makes it useless and just goes right around him. So it's like, well, yeah, this works on, uh, God, I'm trying our uh, Chris Rumpf, Chris Rumpf jr. Or whatever his name sure. was, but against Nick Bosa. Yeah. 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 Against, uh, Nick Bosa, this might not, this, this really doesn't fly that well, unless you're Teron Armstead or something. Who's just sure an athletic freak. So Deontay Smith is the guy I would go. Okay. Um, even if a plays at his normal level, if Deontay Smith is ready to go, I'm just part of the Deontay Smith hive. I, I want to see it. I want to see if he can do it. Uh, even if it's mm -hmm. just a half and he plays bad and you pull him, it is what it is. But I, I really think he, he looked like the best run blocker on the team when he was in their uh, preseason game one, but I mean, preseason. So I want to see him in NFL action. So if he's ready to go, you would start him uh, ahead of Adenogy. I think that's interesting. I'm intrigued by it, and I'm not against it. Uh, at the same time, I I think Adenogy did help stabilize the position, and I don't know if the Bengals would just jump off of him because of one bad game against a front that Zach Taylor has praised like crazy, that 49ers front. And he he really has, and you know maybe that's paying a little lip service, trying to boost uh, – his guys after they got their their head kicked in. Let, let me ask you about uh, Trey Hopkins. He missed a game, appeared to be coming on, but uh, had you know is dealing with the knee, dealing with an ankle. How has he played, or how did he play rather on Sunday? Better than usual for the season, I would say. Decent, adequate, somewhere around there. Uh, he was fine. He wasn't an issue, and he's the best center they have, especially when he's playing like this. Uh, Trey Hill just he's so young. And I think he caused issues when they faced the chargers. It looked like a lot of their issues were 
they've got a center, right guard, and right tackle that have never played together. And then this game, the issues were more, oh, that Eric Armstead guy is really underrated. Like he, he's a very good pass rusher and uh, run stopper. So I, I don't know if everybody took that into consideration how good he is. So more physical problems in this one, mental problems in the pass game. And if you could at least just, there's no more mental issues because you've got Trey Hopkins and Riley Reef, hopefully. And then the right guard is just the guy that keeps switching in and out because if it's just one guy, it's probably not going to cause a lot of problems. But when you had three guys like that, it was constantly, oh, he missed a call or uh, he thought he was getting this and they gave him that, something along those lines. So, yeah, I think I'd roll Deontay Smith out there if he was healthy because I just don't know if it would be that much worse. And I think there's plenty of potential that it could be better. Um Adenogy is the safest option, I think, unless he keeps performing like Sunday. Gotcha. And last but not least, Jonah Williams. Super high on him, super low. How was he? And uh, yeah, because to me, I don't know. It didn't seem like any of them were that good, but you, you mentioned Trey Hopkins. So how was Jonah? Fine. I, I don't know. He wasn't good. an issue. It's He was okay. Uh, I think PFF charted him for like, four pressures but no sacks and none of them were terrible pressures from what i remember now i would take okay i'll, yeah. I'll take okay from all these guys i just need okay yeah yeah it's it's when you're hoping for okay and there's at least two of them that can let you down that's where the issues arise so uh he's fine i didn't feel any better or worse about him leaving the game i thought yeah that was uh jonah williams and he wasn't playing as well as he always does but he was not an issue either Gotcha. Well, you know who was an issue? George Kittle was an issue. And we're going to talk about the Bengals defense, how they missed their chance a couple times. But Jesse Bates had a good PFF score. So how did he play George Kittle and more next? But I got to tell you about Bill Bars, because whether it's Akeem Adeniji, Deontay Smith, that those big men in the trenches, they need some Bilt Bars in their life because they're the number one protein bar on the planet. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, perfect for you. I have a built bar every single day because what gives me that protein punch post-workout and tastes like I'm eating a candy bar. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They have so many different flavors, whether it is the mint brownie or coconut almond, or the list goes on and on and on. But don't take my word for it. See for yourself by going to built.com. When you're there and you go to check out, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Sands, let's dive into this defense where, oh, all right. I, I Overall, I thought they played pretty well. Uh, you know, early on, they keep getting put in bad situations. They hold the 49ers to a field goal. Ben, but don't break the second time. Darius Phillips muffed a punt. By the way, the Bengals placed him on injured reserve on Tuesday, signed Drew Chrisman to the practice squad, the, the punter from Ohio State. I would expect 
Puka Williams maybe to get a little action. Trent Taylor, Jake, and I will cover it later this week about the the punt return game. But yeah, in, in the in the kickoff return game with Phillips, uh, presumably out for the season with that uh, shoulder injury. But um, Sands, how did this defense play overall before we dive into to key moments of the game? Well, I, I'm I would say well. I don't yeah. think they played bad. I thought they played. Once again, the score doesn't indicate how well they played because you had a hundred yards netted that I mean Darius Phillips flips the field position, which is great, just for the wrong team <laughs> twice. And uh third down, they get the stop on both these plays. And the one is almost an interception from Cheeto, and then okay, well, they've got a punt anyway, and then he muffs it. And that's I think the second drive of the game, and that's just so backbreaking. That's a killer. And then later on, same thing. Right before the half, the Bengals just scored a field goal and they forced a three and out. And it's like, okay, cool. We're going to get the ball back and maybe they'll score again. Muff. (laughs) And it's just goodness. I I don't know what you're supposed to do as a defense when you see that. Um, It's just so – it's more than just – oh, they're put in a bad spot. When it's the muff specifically, like the interceptions suck, but I've got to think as a defense just mentally, your guy just muffed after you forced a three and out, and now you have to go back out there and try again. That's just debilitating. I think of like playing – I think of playing basketball because I I was also a basketball player, and the most frustrating thing for me as a basketball player was – a team that could offensive rebound like four times in a possession is like, God, we stopped this team like three times and they finally yep. score anyway. So that's what it feels like. It's just, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you did everything right. And then mm-hmm. just by virtue of the muffed kick, they're going to score. So it goes against you. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I would get 10 offensive rebounds against you and crush you one-on-one. <laughs> I was a power not- forward. We're not talking basketball. <laughs> this is a football podcast. And uh, see, I thought you were going to have a, bit, a little more trash talk than that, but that, that's okay. It's all right. We'll I let, uh, yeah, it's uh, on the court. I, I trash talk much worse than Von Bell, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I, I, yeah. Well, that that's the thing is what he said. I, I think I said it yesterday, you know, that obviously that was a huge penalty. And uh, I've said much, much worse on a, you know, during pickup games than what he said <laughs> and get, gets called for taunting. But uh, all right, let, let's get to the, the elephant in the room because I think most Bengals fans are like, yeah, the, the Bengals haven't covered a tight end since 1973, right? They, they just can't remember a time where the Cincinnati could cover <laughs> opposing tight ends. Now, I know George Kittle's a freak. Zach Taylor said they tried everything. Did they try everything? What type of looks did they give him? And, and why was he so successful? Is it just as simple as he's that damn great or was uh, there more to it? Just by virtue, they tried a lot. Um, when they go zone, he's sitting in the zone right where he needs to be. When they go zone match, which is a little bit different, but they're going to try to match him and try to play – he's going to run into a zone and then they'll basically play man on him from there. He's able to beat the leverage, get open that way. When they play man, they tried everybody on him. They tried Ricardo Allen on him. They tried Trey Flowers on him. I believe they tried Von Bell and Jesse Bates on him, which – None of it really worked, and it's just (laughs) – you face a George Kittle, and I don't think they tried Mike Hilton on him, but I don't know if that would go well since he's five foot nine anyway. Yeah, small. (laughs) So they tried a lot. They tried just about everything, and to me, it's just, yeah, that's George Kittle, and if they won the game, it's not even really a talk. It's kind of like the Darren Waller game where it's, yeah, Darren Waller ate, but, I mean, 
they lost. Yeah, it didn't feel yeah, it didn't feel like it because of the score and everything like that. Kittle's presence was felt because of what he did when he did it, right? He got them in field goal range before the miss. And then in overtime, he was just huge on that drive. Uh, l- let me ask you about one one specific player because he struggled a lot this year compared to where our expectations were for him. I think that's fair. And he had a potential pick six. I don't think it's as simple as thinking that Jesse Bates would have had the pick six, but he did drop an interception that could have went the, the whole way. So what uh, – how did he play? I want to do want to say one thing real quick on the interception. They do the same exact coverage right before it. It's it's called one robber, one one lurk, one cross, whatever you want to call it. It's Jesse Bates is going to play down into a like a low hole area, like about ten yards in the middle of the field, and then the other safety is going to drop deep. And this is something that Jimmy Jimmy has specifically struggled with his entire career is noticing when this coverage is played. So they play that the first time, and I think Jimmy G, I think it just ends up an incompletion maybe. Uh, then the second play is what should have been the interception. Then they ran it again, <laughs> and it took a her, Herculean effort from George Kittle uh, to make a catch. I think it was over Trey Flowers to get the first down on that one. He just had to throw one up because he just can't read it. So I like that adjustment from the Bengals to wait until the game was on the line to throw that coverage out there. And it worked. It just, the guy dropped it. So um, other than that, Bates played well. Bates, uh, to me, PFF has kind of underrated him for a lot of the season. I don't think he's been like a 45 or a 50 or whatever he's been. I think he's been more like a 55 to 60, which is still lower than you want, but he's at least an average to sometimes above average member of the defense. And this just comes into play with how they really grade their coverages is a lot of their grading for coverage is heavily weighted towards targets. And if a uh, safety plays his coverage, well, he's not really going to be targeted. So it doesn't get, a big plus two or something for their grading system. So I think all that plays into it. He played well though. And they gave him a really high grade. And I thought yeah. this was one of his better games, but I, this wasn't on par with last year to me. And I, some of that is also by virtue of they don't play the same defense as last year. Last year they did so much single high and Jesse Bates is roaming sideline to sideline. Now it's more, they're splitting the safeties and Jesse Bates is taking half the field or he's, matching somebody vertically but he's not as much getting over top and making a awesome pass breakup a diving interception things like that so also i think we look at it's all these optics on the way the ball bounces it's just if he makes that interception and even if he doesn't run it back for a touchdown it's oh man jesse bates is back and instead you can think of that play as like well he's not all the way back but i'm I'm kind of i'm kind of there (laughs) Yeah, and he had that last year, too. He had multiple pick sixes that were dropped, uh, honestly, and that was my one knock on him last year for as well as he played. Uh, One more, because Trey Hendrickson, we know how well he's playing, and hopefully he can suit up this week. But the Bengals still got pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo after he went down, and honestly, it was shocking to me. (laughs) It was really surprising that that happened. The moment Hendrickson went down, I was like, all right, well, they're not going to be able to pressure him. So Jimmy G's going to have a lot of time to throw. What did they do? Did they do anything specific? Was this just one-on-one matchups where they were winning? How did the D-line win like they did and generate pressure despite not having number 91? Always helps to win some one-on-one matchups, but I do think they went specific. And yes, I I, I saw your, your take on Twitter, I think, 
two plays afterwards like ah we can't pressure jimmy g anymore it's like it's been like two plays guys i think the the give him a second here you saw uh, my take no 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 not your t- your take oh. as in you said like i don't think they'll get pressure and i think people I yeah, took yeah. that and there were two plays they didn't get pressure immediate confirmation bias i gotta tweet this one out yeah we're screwed yeah. but uh they did do something specific it's just we talked about this after the first preseason game deep cut um we went oh marion hobby is running a lot of stunts and twists and that's kind of what they did and they did that with hendricks in this game too so i don't know if they just saw something with the 49ers offensive line because he got a sack on a three-man twist they had two guys go out and he looped all the way around in because i mean the Bengals are they're not stupid they they see well we could have trey anderson rush at trent williams 30 snaps this game or (laughs) we could try to open him up another way because that's that's just not a winning business model to send him at Trent. It's fun to watch, but it's not going to be something that'll go that well all that often. You'll probably get like one or two on him. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it was part of the game plan. But then, yes, just specifically, they mitigated their issues uh, of not having a true elite pass rusher anymore by stunting, twisting, and specifically attacking the right side of the offensive line. It, those two guys are we're clearly the worst two members of their offensive line. So you start sending, trying to get them to communicate as well as pass protect. And you you've seen with the Bengals for years that it becomes an issue to try to pick up these twists and stunt when you don't have the, uh, the chemistry and the players to do so. So they, they were smart. They attacked the 49ers weaknesses and they had a good way to mitigate the pass rush. So, or uh, mitigate the pass rush. Sorry. <laughs> Amplify the pass Generally. rush. Yeah, generate yeah, for, for sure. And uh, Bengals Sands, Bengals underscore Sands, Mike Santagata. Make sure you check out his work. He's got a film review dropping at allbengals.com Wednesday morning, every Wednesday morning. He's been killing those. And um, yeah, he joins us each and every week. So uh, yeah, Mike, we'll see if we can uh, do one of these after a win. Bengals seven and six. We'll see if Jake List goes back tomorrow. If not, you're going to be stuck with me, which, you know, there are better places probably that you could be. But either way, thank you for listening. And uh, again, for Bengals Sands, I'm James Rapine signing off for now. Thank you so much for watching right here and listening, by the way. See, I get used to the YouTube watching and listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.